What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, everyone? In October, Google announced new guidelines that went unheard by many email marketers. They released a blog post explaining the thought behind some of their changes, and Yahoo also followed suit for email guidelines. Lots of big changes coming, JT. Yeah, and I was on LinkedIn, and I think over the last couple weeks, especially over the last week or so, I've seen a lot of, uh, I don't know, conflicting information, incomplete takes on what's going on here. Phil, I know you've been deep into email marketing deliverability for the past year specifically, but like, I know we've been talking a little bit over the weekend about this as well. I'm really curious, you know, how we can kind of unpack this for folks. And uh, throughout this episode, I'm going to be the naive. I haven't been in email marketing in a while, but I know a little bit, right? And uh, so i I'm going to try to make sure that we unpack this at a level that everybody else can understand as well, because it's get technical very quick, right? Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I think there's a lot of things to unpack, and we're not going to unpack every single guideline changes. I think a lot of these are best practices already for a lot of companies, but um, here's today's main takeaway. Google and Yahoo's recent guidelines largely reaffirm established best practices in email marketing. A lot of folks are already doing a lot of these things. However, there are key new details in the public disclosure of the 0.3% spam complaint rate threshold. While exceeding this rate in a single instance won't immediately land you in the spam folder or get you blocked like a lot of folks are claiming, uh, it is a clear signal, though, that stricter enforcement is ahead next year. Maintaining uh, this idea of like a consistently low complaint rate is going to be crucial for a lot of companies, especially companies that are doing cold outreach. A repeatedly crossing 0.3% mark will probably lead you to more severe consequences uh, than before. So before we get into this, uh, a quick disclaimer, uh, this episode is based on uh, a lot of our personal knowledge, recent research, as well as chatting with uh, experts in this space. However, we're not lawyers and nothing here should be construed as legal advice. But uh, yeah, some some pretty wild changes and a lot of people freaking out on, on LinkedIn. So that's what kind of spurred this episode to me. I had a bit of imposter syndrome because I was like, oh, you know, I've only been email deliverability super deep in it for a year and a half. But there's a lot of bad digs out there. So um, yeah, February, 2024, lots of changes coming. Yeah, well, let's do this journey together. And I mean, we're all humans with MarTech trying to figure these things out. So, you know, as an SEO in my background, I'm pretty familiar with Google and vagueness. <laughs> so um, let's start right there. What are the penalties for non-compliance? And, you know, why do you think Google's being kind of unclear about this at this point? I think that like failing to follow these new guidelines will potentially result in Gmail limiting sending rates, blocking messages, marking messages as spam. Like they've listed all three of those things as potential penalties, but they haven't made it clear what results or penalty is applied to what guidelines specifically. Lots of folks are claiming that any of these will lead to you being blocked by Google forever. While that is possible, I guess, like it's probably not likely. Um, but yeah, that's that's one of the the things that is a bit ambiguous right now. Like, what is the penalty? Like, if people go over that 0.3%, is Google just going to keep doing what they're already doing? Like, making you land in this spam filter? Or are you actually going to be up for more serious penalties and it's going to be way harder for you to crawl out of that in the future? Yeah, that's fascinating. And I mean, I think a lot of people are waiting with bated breath to know to know what's going to happen. One thing that I've seen a lot uh, is one of the like, central claims on social media from like uh, experts in the space, I suppose, is that this is actually only for bulk senders. But in the, the you know, where we're in the waiting room here, just kind of discussing things, it kind of was surprising to me, but it's not just for uh, bulk senders. And so like the bulk senders, I think you said was like 5k per day. Uh, so Maybe you could break this out for us a little bit. Yeah, I think Google was kind of asked to define like what a bulk sender is. And I think there's a lot of variation there. They gave like a per day number of 5,000 emails. I don't think they'll look at this from like a, a daily volume perspective. Like if you go over 0.3% spam, spam complaint rate on the one day, like I said, it's probably not just like being uncompliant for one day. It's probably going to be consistently like going over that threshold. 
in a month or longer than that, right? So like the the bulk sender guidelines that Google probably looks at behind the scenes is way more, uh, it's way different than just like 5K per day. They probably have a number that's per week or per month. And maybe that's like um, multiplied by five, but it is a big concept, misconception that I'm seeing also. Like plenty of folks are saying that, oh, you know, the new guidelines only apply to bulk senders. I'm nowhere near the 5k daily email traffic limit right now. Like this doesn't apply to me. This is super false. And while Google wrote a spectacularly unclear and poorly structured document, it is clear in their guidelines that most of these changes apply to all senders. Hmm. So if you misread that and told yourself, this isn't a big deal because you don't send 5k emails to Google users per day, you're in for a world of pain. Ooh, it's always fun when you find these things out, you know, by being in the penalty box, because it's it's really hard to get out of those penalty <laughs> box. I know. Let's walk through like, you know, again, I'm going to draw my SEO experience. I've always felt like from like an SEO algorithm update, you future proof yourself by really following white hat tendencies. But with email marketing and outbound emails, like this can be a little bit trickier, right? Because you have to push the boundaries a little bit to kind of break through the noise. Maybe you could walk us through like what the new high level guidelines are for folks uh, and and how people can prepare if they're not already prepared for this. Yeah. So in the blog post version of this, we'll, we'll link out to the guidelines so folks can read them out in detail and use GPT to answer definitions on like what the hell is SBF or what the hell DKIM is. We actually did a pretty decent episode, uh, episode number 43 on uh, all the different authentication methods for your domain. Um, but yeah, so the way that I kind of like broke out the TLDR version on the guideline here is that there's essentially the same six new guidelines for all senders and bulk senders, except bulk senders have a few extra ones. So I'll, I'll go through these super quickly because I want to just focus on uh, maybe one or, or two of these that is creating the most misconception on the market. So Number one, set up SPF and DKIM authentication. This applies to all senders. I'm starting with all senders. So there's six in there. SPF and DKIM. These are like been reported a lot. Like uh, if you're not already doing this, like, I don't know, shame on you or <laughs> figure out how to do it. Like <laughs> it, these pretty simple stuff, like you're probably not uh, delivering super well if you don't have either of these. Most of the ESPs out there require you to authenticate with DKIM anyways uh, to, to send out from your own domain. Number two is set up a forward and reverse DNS record. You're probably doing uh, most of this already. Number three is the contentious one here. And the one that I want to dive into a bit deeper is keep spam rates below 0.3%. Number four is follow RFC 5322 specific format guidelines for your emails. Uh, number five is don't use at Gmail as an account in your ESP as the sender. Number six is add ARC headers and a list ID header. So these six like apply to all senders. Mm -hmm. And there's there's not too many in here that are just like, oh my God, like what? Like we're not doing this today. If you're sending emails out of an ESP, like chances are you're you're covered in, in most of these. The one that jumps out really is the keep spam rates below 0.3%. But mm -hmm. on the bulk sender side, so like these six, they apply to all senders. Like people who send out emails to Google users, workspace, Gmail accounts, they need by February to follow all six of those guidelines, regardless of your volume. But if you're a bulk sender and you're sending more than 5,000 emails per day or whatever that volume is that Google really looks at, um, there's a couple extra ones. Uh, number seven is setting up DMARC. We talked about DMARC in that episode number 43 as well. It's an extra authentication step that a lot of folks saw as optional in the past not going to be optional uh, going forward. Number eight, that's going to require a bit of tinkering on the dev side for some folks. This is enabled in the process uh, for some ESPs, but you need to now, uh, now start supporting one-click unsubscribe as well as include an unsubscribe link in mm -hmm. all of your emails. So you know, if you weren't already doing this, shame on you, but <laughs> transactional emails, they're not required to have unsubscribe links. So a lot of folks are going to have to like ask themselves like, shit, like Google and their new guidelines, they don't talk about transactional emails. Like, mm -hmm. do we need to start putting an unsub link every time we update our privacy policy and we mass send this to all of our users? So lots of wild changes here, JT. 
Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what goes through my head is, and I know we could do an entire series, probably in all of these terms, but just like unpacking it a little bit, there's a lot of acronyms in here, right? And if you're like, just like a pure play content slash email marketer in your Marketo or HubSpot instance or whatever instance you're using, it or Bull or something like that, like you're going to be thinking through this. I think you're going to want to talk to your IT team and just confirm some of this stuff. I mean, that's that would be my first step. You know, and I understand some of these acronyms because I live in Acronym City. But for members of who aren't members of Acronym City, like SPF, DCAM, DMARC, I think we've unpacked this in other episodes. Definitely recommend going to check that out. Um, but there's some new ones here for me that I've never heard of. And I've been in email marketing for a bit, for, for, for a minute at least. Like RFC 5322. Like that sounds like something coming out of the Terminator movie. But when I was asking ChatGPT, like, you know, should I be worried about RFC 5322 taking over the world? It actually isn't all that complex. Like it's, it's talking about, you know, standard format for email structures, making sure your header fields are there, that you're addressing formats, like the inc- character encoding. And a lot of this stuff is going to be taken care of under the hood by your ESP anyway. So if you're using like a, one of these standard ESPs, I think you can, you know, breathe a little easier. You're not going to have to worry about this stuff. Um, so I just wanted to throw that out there because in the prep for this episode, I felt, you know, a little bit overwhelmed by these acronyms, but I think, you know, again, GPT helps a lot with unpacking this. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot there that's, that's, that's worth maybe diving deeper, talking to your internal teams. The thing that I kind of want to move forward on now is you, you mentioned unsubscribe. And I think for me, uh, as a non-email marketer, I kind of go back and forth with like, Wait a minute, what's the difference between spam and unsubscribe? And maybe we could start there for for folks who are listening who may not be thinking about this. Like, if I unsubscribe, is that actually like a spam thing? Mm. Like, what is what is the directive that's happening here? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a fair question. Um, if you unsubscribe from an email, there's nothing negative that happens in terms of signals that are sent to Google. Uh, mm. It's normal for you to want to unsubscribe from something. You signed up, the content dropped, or you're not getting what you're wanting out of it. You change your mind or whatever. Unsubscribing is the nice thing to do to a company who's sending you emails. There is no negative impact on it. If you're someone who's not opening those emails in the first place, you're dropping the engagements on that person's mailing list. So you're not helping by not unsubscribing if you're not engaging with that content. Mm-hmm. That being said, already today, if you get an email and you're looking at it in desktop on your Gmail, there is an alternative to stop getting emails from that company. And that's a exclamation point icon at the top center of your Gmail page. And it says mark as spam. So you can scroll down and unsubscribe from it and not hurt the company or you can mark them as spam, and that has detrimental impact to the company's mm-hmm. reputation long-term and in some cases immediate as well. So Google will get that signal saying that you think this is spam and Google doesn't get a signal negative or not when you unsubscribe from something. So it ends up for the user having the same result. You'll get less of the emails from that person in your inbox. You need to decide how like pissed off you are about like uh, that company specifically like if you're getting an email from a company and you didn't sign up for that like i think you have a valid case for saying that this is spam especially if you get the sense that it wasn't personalized at all and it was bulk so like spam houser like kind of defines spam as unsolicited and in bulk and it has to be both of those things if it's in bulk but it's not unsolicited it's it's a marketing email it's a newsletter whatever like you probably signed up for it in the first place but if it's unsolicited but it's not bulk it's probably like a targeted cold outreach email maybe like a recruiter from a company who wants to like add you to their team and they're cold emailing you or like the cold emails that you get from from sales folks and stuff so in February, your ability to have detrimental impact on a marketing team or a sales team that's sending you emails is going to be even greater when you'll be faced with the choice about like, do you mark this as spam or do you unsubscribe? You know, as somebody who sits on the other side of the email marketing fence as a recipient, it, it actually somewhat feels like a, a breath of fresh air. Like I've seen some takes on social media saying like, 
you know, at, at the end of the day, it's like, finally, we're going to have a way to control a little, have a little bit more control and enforcement around our email inboxes. Even as a consultant, I'll get set up with like an internal company email at times. And it is like, you know, remarkable within two weeks, I'm already getting spammed. And I say that word very vindictively, like, like, how do I have a thousand emails in this brand new, freshly created Gmail account? Like, it's mind blowing. <laughs> like, how do people even know? And it just happens so quickly and it becomes unmanageable, like the torrent of emails. Yet it's also somewhat unfair, I think, to the folks that you do want to receive emails to, right? It's buried before you know it. So I can see this being a really interesting one. Um, yeah. Yeah. So let's, I, I want to dive into the 0.3% uh, spam rate threshold. Uh, and Google specifically says that this is the, the report that you get from Google Postmaster. Um, it's the one that I've seen talked about the most on, on social, like most senders actually don't need to worry about this. Like if you're set up in Postmaster, go in that report right now and your spam complaint rate, and you can look at it over the past 120 days. And, and Google tells you like how many times you've crossed that 0.3%. Um, I, I was under the operating mandate of, you know, keeping things way lower than than 0.3%. Um, you can never get to 0%. And even in some cases, when you're at 0%, you have to ask yourself, like, are you completely landing in spam? Because like, some humans make mistakes sometimes, like a lot of people will mark your emails as spam by accident, they forgot they signed up. And we can get into some of those reasons there. But yeah, not everyone falls in the bucket of being worried about this 0.3%. And even if you do of like seeing some of those spikes in there, like it might not be as easy for you going forward in, in February. So like I said, I think a lot of people freaking out right now are folks that are doing bulk outbound and, and cold marketing that using email and they're going to need to rethink some of the strategies around that. But yeah, if, if you're not already set up in Google Postmaster, uh, monitor your domain in IP reputation as well as related metrics like spam complaint rates. Do it now. It's very easy to get set up. You just need to add a, a record to your DNS to prove that you own that sending domain. And then if you, uh, I think it's like a, a certain level of emails to Gmail users and Google Workspace users, once you hit that number, Google starts, Postmaster starts giving you data on that. So you can monitor some of that stuff. So if you're not doing it already, now's a great time to do it ahead of February uh, mm -hmm. to get a picture of like how you're reporting right now. Um, this has actually been a common unwritten rule by mailbox providers in the past. Anything above 0.3% would potentially already cause you a lot of deliverability issues. Like if you're getting that consistently, you're probably not landing in the inbox very often. Um, but mailbox providers also do plenty of sneaky things behind the scenes, like counting the number of inactive accounts that got your email because inactive accounts can't mark you as spam. Mm -hmm. So you can't dilute the ratio of complaints that you get. So I think ultimately, like main takeaway is that the change here uh, will be more severe now that the threshold is public. It's never technically been public by Google. Interesting. I mean, let's dive right into, again, we kind of touched on the difference between unsubscribe and spam, but let's let's dive deep into this. What is spam rate exactly? Yeah. So there's actually some misalignment from experts when it comes to the true definition of the spam complaint rate metric, but based on Google's Postmaster FAQ, uh, the spam rate is equal to the number of spam complaints from Google users. So when we say Google users, Google specifically uh, mentions that this is for anyone that has an at gmail.com personal account, but also any company that's on Google Workspace that uses Gmail. So it might be like at companyname.com, but mm -hmm. it's still a, a Gmail or like a Google account. So spam rate is the number of spam complaints from Google users divided by the number of active Google user recipient accounts that landed outside of spam or junk. So when you send an email to your newsletter list that has like 5,000 people in it, not everyone on that recipient list is a Google user. Some of them will be. And without like checking MX records for some of these like workspace accounts, you won't know on the surface if these are Google accounts or not. But the way that Google reports on this specifically is only for Google users. Any like Outlook accounts or like customers 
custom proof point accounts, like none of those are factored into this postmaster reporting. It's only for Google users who have active accounts. So not, not all of the folks on your recipient list probably are active. So if they haven't opened an email in X amount of months, like probably remove them and assume that they're inactive. But they also specify that it's for landing outside of spam or junk because no one can mark your email as junk again if it's already landing in there. So that's mm -hmm. the definition according to the fact. And it, it it makes sense, like I said, because like no one can mark your email as as junk if it's already landing in junk. But yeah, you, you could, uh, a substantial number of your emails start to actually land in spam. So you could actually see a low spam rate sometimes if you're like the majority yeah. of your emails are landing in spam because no one can actually like flag That's them as some spam. some 3D, 3D chess right there. I'm not going <laughs> to get my spam complaint because all my emails go into spam already. <laughs> you know, I feel like, again, it is, I'm sure there's some companies and some marketers who are who are panicking a little bit and I'm sure they're looking at their email practices and thinking like and I got to be careful with with this like I think a lot of companies rely on outbound cold emails to be able to generate business they don't have the inbound engine or stuff like that so I'm not gonna like uh you know crap on those those folks but I think there is a call to action here around like extreme uh, extreme measures around your data hygiene cleaning up your list like we're nearing the end of the year here. It's always a great time as everybody goes off on holidays to take a look at the old uh, contact database, see anybody who's like five years old. It might be time to give up on those leads uh, despite those numbers. But feel like I like to make that, let's make this really practical for people. What does this mean in terms of volume sent to Google accounts? Like, give me some examples of why people are freaking out about this a bit. Yeah, so we can do some quick napkin math here. Like if you send... Uh, like if you're a big bulk sender, like maybe you, you do a, a newsletter or you have like pretty high volume of users signing up to your product and you're doing a lot of onboarding emails, whatever the case is, like if you're sending uh, 10,000 emails on a one given day in that month, like maybe it's your your newsletter, you now need to get less than 30 people marking that email as spam. You sent that to 10,000 people. You just yeah. need 30 of those people to hit that 0.3% rate. Um, if you're sending that newsletter to 5,000 people in one day, you need less than 15 people to mark your email as spam. If that number is 1,000 emails in one day, you need less than three people marking your email as spam. Three people out of 1,000. Mm -hmm. And you know, like a lot of people are just like, ah, I'm not a bulk sender. Like this doesn't apply to me. Like you're wrong. This applies to everyone sending emails to Google users. And let's say, you know, like you don't fall in under any of those thresholds, but you're doing some cold outreach and all of the other reps on your team are doing cold outreach as well. And it happens that on one day, your team using the same domain sent out 333 emails to Google users in one day. That's not that many emails, 333. You can't get a single spam complaint rate without having the 0.3% threshold mm -hmm. there. So that's that's the part where people need to break that down and say like, oh shit, this isn't just for bulk senders. Like we need to rethink how we're doing email here. Like, are we personalizing our cold outreach enough? Like, do we do we still need to do cold outreach? Uh, so we can talk about some of the strategies there. But yeah, like if your newsletter is 10,000 subscribers and it's going out in February next year, how confident are you that you'll get less than 30 people marking that email as spam? And th the only way to answer that is look at Postmaster and see how your previous newsletters performed. But if you're sending cold emails to 50 people per day, like how confident are you that you won't get at least one of those 50 people marking you as spam and you getting a 2% spam complaint rate in Google? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's some cold shivers running down spines when you think about that. And like, I have a couple questions myself, and I think one immediately veers into speculation is how hardcore will Google be about enforcement? You know, a single complaint over, you know, in a day, like it, my my instinct tells me is that we'll see this gradually roll out and we'll see this being a way to sort out the worst offenders. And I'm just looking through my email kind of as you were talking, I got an email here from Tough Mutter, which I've never done a Tough Mutter here. And it probably never will. But when I look at it, it's actually really easy for me to report the spam. Like it's a, the second, at least for my UI, it's the second button from the archive. 
mm-hmm. report spam. And there is an unsubscribe button right beside the sender email address, which would be easy for me to click as well. But I feel like somewhat Google is making it easy for you to click this. So it it can be a little nerve wracking. The other one's a bit of a joke, but I don't know if it's really a joke or me just uh, mourning the loss of LinkedIn as a messaging tool, but I'm sure we're going to see LinkedIn become like even worse for prospecting tool because like there are no regulations. So like if you have a social media account, like, you know, RIP your inbox, um, the spammers are just going to evolve. And maybe it's nice if LinkedIn brought this to the feature to their inboxes as well, because I know my life has been uh, inundated with, with cold emails and stuff like that, that I also ignore in my yeah. LinkedIn. I could see a lot of mailbox providers following suit. Like it's just a matter of time until like Microsoft and Proofpoint and a lot of these other ones do like, and, and they probably already do like a very similar number behind the scenes already anyways. Mm-hmm. But LinkedIn is a different ball game because like they generate a ton of revenue from people that use LinkedIn sales navigator to do that cold outreach to prospects. Mm-hmm. So them implementing a spam rate threshold on that or number of people that like put that message into like other or mute it or they introduce a spam complaint rate button. Like maybe we'll do it, but they're like basically turning down revenue uh, compared to like Gmail and mailbox providers who care about their users and protecting them from receiving unwanted emails. At the end of the day, LinkedIn doesn't monetize their users outside of like the ad traffic that they get for for platforms and like some of the premium users. So it'll be interesting to see because yeah, I've seen a lot of folks say that as well. Like, all right, maybe email is going to become a bit like cleaner, but mm-hmm. what the fuck is going to happen? to LinkedIn. It's going to be a graveyard of outbound messages. I know. I I wouldn't want to be an outbound rep. I mean, even before I wouldn't want to be an outbound rep now, even less so. (laughs) So there's a reason I'm an inbound marketer. Uh, How can we effectively use Google Postmaster tools to monitor our spam rate? I'm imagining a lot of people are thinking about Postmaster tools perhaps for the first time. Um, So, you know, as an experienced user yourself, like what are the discrepancies people should be aware of? What should they be thinking of when they go into Postmaster tools to try to make sure that they're compliant? Yeah. So for the sake of the new Google guidelines, the number you need to start keeping an eye on is the one that's in Postmaster. And we know for sure that Postmaster does not include spam complaint rate numbers from any other mailbox providers. So in like post February world, Outlook's going to be like tightening up on this. Yahoo already said they're tightening up on this. So if you're sending emails to multiple mailbox providers, it's not as simple as making sure that you're good with Postmaster. Like there's going to be all these other regulations in there that you'll keep an eye on. But for the sake of these new guidelines for Google, Postmaster is the spot you want to look at for this. And I was doing some digging into here because I saw some folks on LinkedIn say like, okay, so if, if all I need to do is get a low complaint rate from Google users that I'm sending emails out to, If I have a newsletter that's split up between a bunch of different mailbox providers, I can keep the status quo on all of these other mailboxes except Yahoo and Google. Like those are the two that I need to be a bit more strict on. So why don't I just segment my list and just focus on like my Google accounts, like tighten up that list a bit more, maybe like skip a couple of emails for that list and stuff. And so I went down this rabbit hole a little bit. And interestingly, it's unclear if Postmaster includes only at Gmail accounts or at Gmail accounts and Google Workspace accounts. They've said clearly in their guideline that these new things apply to both at Gmail and Workspace accounts. But I've seen a lot of email deliverability experts claim um, that currently in Postmaster, you only get spam complaint reports from at Gmail accounts. They haven't gone through the legal hoops of adding the spam complaint feedback loop from all these workspace accounts yet. The assumption though should be that Google can probably see that already. So I don't think it's as simple as just focusing on at Gmail accounts. And I think it's a fair assumption also that if workspace data isn't going to Postmaster yet, it's probably only a matter of time until it gets there. So yeah, like I I wouldn't see that as like one of the strategies uh, around that piece. Um, This is like a holistic change that a lot of mailbox providers are just going to piggyback and follow suit with Google. I mean, Google, I'm not sure if this is true. So, you know, fact check me. But like the quick Google search shows Gmail has 1.8 billion active users. 
And that means 22% of the world's population uses Google as, and I mean, Google is, in, as, is the industry's standard for things like search and email. Like I can't see this not having big ripple effects across all other uh, email service providers. I think the average marketer monitors complaints, like you can do this in your ESP. Can you talk a little bit more about the data uh, and is it trustworthy? Yeah, that's a super in, important point and something that I I learned just recently uh, in the last couple of years. Like a lot of your ESPs will give you complaint rate and like spam complaint rate data. And this is through the use of something called FBL, the feedback loop where a mailbox provider will share the spam complaint rate number to your ESP and your ESP is able to report on it. Unfortunately, the reality is Google does not share this out with ESPs. Google keeps that data to themselves. And so if you're thinking, well, oh, my ESP gives me complaint data. I don't need to monitor that in Postmaster. First of all, you should because Google is basing their new 0.3 limit based on Postmaster data. And like I said, you can't rely on the complaint rate in your ESP for this. Google doesn't send that data to ESPs. So what you see in your ESP is the spam complaint from inbox providers that share that data through feedback loops. But Google is not one of the mailbox providers that does that. The only way to monitor this metric, at least for Google's sake, is to look at your complaint rates in Google Postmaster. And like it gives you a certain number of days, like 120 days, the most you can look back on. So start downloading that data, like save it in a couple of spreadsheets, because in a month from now, you're going to lose data from uh, 120 days ago. So it's a rolling number. But like ask yourself right now by looking at that report, if you have mm -hmm. it set up, like how have you performed recently? If you have a few spikes in there where, you know, you're in the 0.2% to 0.4%, I would bet that, you know, you're probably okay if you only have one or two spikes. Like it's it's normal to have bad days. It's normal for people to be trigger happy. Google is likely to start penalizing senders who are regularly getting over 0.3%. And the definition of regular is what's up for debate here and a bit unclear and how Google is going to prioritize those penalties. But um, that doesn't mean that if you're averaging 0.25% that you're in the clear. You're probably already seeing deliverability issues uh, mm. if, if that's the case on average for you. The rule of thumb that I was using uh, even before this announcement uh, was anything over 0.1% isn't good. Like you need to investigate what caused that 0.1%, especially if you're sending that to um, a decent level of, of, of volume of traffic. Anything over 0.3% going forward or even in the past is critical and it can't happen again. As an email marketer, you need to figure out what that campaign was and how can you limit that from ever happening again. Now more than ever, you'll be able to point to those guidelines and that data and Postmaster and tell your sales team like, hey, we can't do an end of quarter email again to all of our leads that were created in the last 90 days it drove 0.6% spam complaint rate. Like we won't be able to send any emails next quarter. If you keep asking us to do this, we can't yeah. do this anymore. So yeah, the big difference is going to be, and what we don't know for sure and why folks need to take this seriously is that Google might not just be sending you to the spam folder as a penalty for regularly getting over 0.3% they might simply start blocking you. And a lot of companies are just preparing for this. Oh, yikes. <laughs> so like you're sending out these campaigns and like I have never used Google Postmaster. Maybe I'm, you know, belying a certain level of skill here. But like, how do you identify the culprits in Google Postmaster? Are you going in there and being able to like, hey, like this, this email seems to have a big problem. And even when you do identify those problem campaigns, are you like what are you as an email marketer kind of doing to reverse engineering? How do I don't do this anymore so I don't keep on ending up in hot water? Yeah. So what most folks do is so Google's time zone reporting in Postmaster is UTC. So it's gonna be a different time zone than the ESB that you're using. But what most companies do is they'll look at Postmaster and they'll see like, okay, November 19th, we got a 1.2% spam complaint rates. What the fuck did we send out on November 19th? You open your ESP, you look at campaign sent, November 19th, there's like one of them. That's your culprit. That's probably the one that's causing that spam complaint rate. You need to like double check the time zones and stuff, but that's the way that most people use it. And it's not 100% accurate, especially in cases where what if on November 19th, you had 
four emails that went out. Plus you have this automated welcome journey or this like automated nurture journey. You have like 17 other emails that went out on that day. Like it's hard to pinpoint the specific culprit. So one thing that you should consider doing to better identify the the campaigns from your ESP that might be resulting in these large complaint rates is the aforementioned FBL, the feedback loop. Uh, We'll link out to how um, to set this up with Google. They they made it pretty simple. Um, But you basically need to include a new header uh, called like feedback ID in your emails. And the header contains like a unique identifier for each of the campaigns that you send out. And so that essentially allows that data to flow into Postmaster and allowing Google to track spam complaint rates related to specific campaigns. So that's the best way to to identify those those culprits and uh, go back to your team and say like, yo, this needs to stop like yesterday. Yeah. You know what? Like there's a part of me that is, of course, I'm very nervous for MarTech humans out there who, you know, need email marketing to be successful to to fuel their growth. There's also a part of me that feels like, you know, about about damn time. Let's get, get better enforcement out there. Let's, you know, we were joking earlier, but I've got like 12,000 unopened emails in my personal email account. And like, <laughs> for shame of course like the bell of shame is ringing but like i've managed a strategy to get around all this spam but i still sign up for newsletters all the time that i feel like get lost in the shuffle so i feel like there is a reward here for lots of folks who send good emails and and really think deliberately about this i i also keep on thinking like rip there goes my linkedin inbox for six months as outreach you know suddenly moves out of gmail and uh (laughs) into linkedin and they're you know even snail mailing me, I'm sure they'll find me in my little town here and start knocking on my door. <laughs> Wait till they find out what my budget is, but joke's on them. Anyways, Phil, I think this is an awesome breakdown, um, but I want to like make sure that we wrap this episode because I, th- I think one of the, the themes that I'm pulling out as we go is there are some people who should be worried, but I think there's a lot of companies who are very white hat and this is going to be like you know, hey, good. The, the inbox is less cluttered for me because I send good emails. Like I'm thoughtful about what I send. And, you know, I think it, we come back down to enforcement, but I think it's scary to hear about Google starting to officially enforce these things. But the guidelines have been left intentionally vague. So I'm going to speculate that there's a little bit of wiggle room here and that people won't be so black and white, you know, like you go over that once and it's like off with your head, you're done you know, forever. <laughs> but I think it's going to become a, a much more of a, at least my read from your conversation or from your research is that it's going to be something that kind of follows you around a little bit. Like if you're consistently over this at some point, you know, that's it. The band hammer comes down, you know, you're kicked off the internet for the rest of your life. Um, but I think for some people, it's not going to be that way. No matter what, I feel like marketers have time to prepare. What they sh- What should they be doing right now to prepare themselves? Yeah, uh, I've seen some interesting discussions about folks saying that like Google is going to roll back on the 0.3 because it's it's too crazy, especially for like smaller volume senders as they get feedback from customers and I'm not willing to bet on this. Uh, if you're hitting over 0.3 uh, in several scenarios, I think you need to rethink how you do email, how you're getting those emails in the first place, the content in your email. So we can chat about strategies for 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 staying under that 0.3% threshold that are regardless like things that you should be doing anyways, but I wanted to touch on like like sometimes there isn't anything you can do to prevent complaints. Like humans are just going to human and sometimes people are just like bitter as fuck and they'll decide that like today I'm going to be an asshole and I'm going to be trigger heavy and I'm just going to like spam complaint the crap out of my inbox and you're one of those companies getting hit with that complaint rate. There's nothing you can do about that. People forget that they subscribe to your email sometimes, especially when you take long breaks from sending emails. Like, who the hell is this? Like, I never signed up for this, like, spam. And then you realize, like, a couple minutes after, like, oh, shit, yeah, I did sign up for that. Like, oh, fuck, my bad. People are impatient, and they can quickly, and if they can't quickly and easily locate your unsubscribe link, they'll hit Mm -hmm. spam, like, out of just, like, I've done that before. (laughs) Like, they've, the spam on the subscribe link is, like, super at the bottom of the footer. You click on it, and it's like, oh, you need to log in to unsubscribe. Like, fuck that noise. If you're making it hard for people... People will mark your email as spam. 
people might not be interested in your content anymore. Even if they remember they signed up for it, they like opted in to receive it, they opened the, the first couple of ones, they might not like be down for your content anymore. And uh, maybe it's not like frequency they expected or, um, you know, whatever the reason is, they might not mark, uh, they might not unsubscribe. They might just decide to mark you as spam. Like, like I said, sometimes people just have bad days and they're feeling trigger happy or annoyed and like, humans are just generally bitter. And so you'll never have like 0% spam complaint rates. Um, I have actually seen reports of people saying that they mark things as spam accidentally. Like, they uh -huh. oh they meant to unarchive this email but they hit the, the report as spam button by accident like whoops and i seen like the worst thing here to call out is some people have gone on record to say that they use the spam complaint button as a way to delete email so <laughs> yeah yeah man there's only so much you can do to to prevent this from from happening but there are some strategies that 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 fall outside of this the bitter uh, human world there. So let's talk about like some of the strategies you could be working on now to get ahead of this. None of this stuff is like groundbreaking, like amazing, innovative ideas. You should probably have already been doing this. The number one time tested rule for email marketing is to only send email to people who asked to receive it. If someone signs up for your product and they opt in for emails, they're maybe expecting a welcome email, a couple of like education emails and stuff. But if you're sending them an e like two, three emails per week, and then you start like going to sales mode on them and stuff like they, they didn't ask for that shit. Like you're inviting people to mark you as spam there. So consider enabling double opt-in. Uh, this is when people sign up with their email and then you get like a verification confirmation email from you. They need to click that button to confirm that, yes, they do want to get that content from you. Um, if you're doing a newsletter to a bulk list, use an email verification tool. Make sure that the emails that you have on your list are still active and uh, mitigate the number of bounces that you get on those emails. The most important one maybe is like to purge inactive subscribers as well as emails that you haven't emailed in a while. This isn't an opportunity to revive like these like sleeping giants that you haven't emailed in three or six months. It, you don't want to be doing that shit going forward. Like you can't send 500 emails to people that like haven't been active in the last six months hoping that you're going to get less than like three or like two or three spam complaint but rates. Phil, right? you, you know that somebody out there is thinking, I've got till February. Like, <laughs> I've got till February, baby. We're going to we're gonna do this, you know, it's right Sure, like go for it. But like, maybe you'll get into <laughs> trouble before February even hits. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, what else did I have here? Um, yeah, this one's interesting. Like rethink whether all your transactional messages without unsubscribe links right now are really transactional and necessary. So can spam laws say that all of your emails should have an unsub link except for your transactional messages. Those are like receipt emails, password reset emails, but marketers like to make that also expanded into other territories. Like is the welcome email a transactional email? Like they just signed up for a product. So they need to get a welcome email. Like, ooh, like most people disagree that that's not really a transactional email. So if you've got transactional emails out there, like why not just throw an unsubscribe link on there? Like it can't hurt to have that in there. Uh, if someone doesn't want to get a third update about you updating your privacy policy, like don't fucking email them about it. You're just asking for, for spam complaint rates. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this one too. Like make that unsubscribe link at the process as obvious and as simple as possible to deter uh, spam complaints. Bulk senders are going to have to do this as part of the guidelines Anyway, so those those are like the most obvious ones that if yeah. there's a couple in there that I said that you're just like, ah, shit, yeah, yeah, we're not doing that right now. Like, go do it. Like, figure out a way to make that happen uh, for February because um, yeah. you might be in a world of pain before you know it. Well, and one of the takeaways that I just want to emphasize, like for my own kind of education through this episode is the difference between spam complaints and unsubscribe. Like unsubscribe is just a mechanism for people to determine whether they want to communicate with you like don't get so offended that people are unsubscribing they're doing you a huge favor 
by actually going through the effort to unsubscribe versus clicking that link. That's really easy. Yeah. And I just keep going back to this 1.8 billion human beings are using Gmail. I bet you like less than 1% of them really think deeply about whether they unsubscribe or report spam. Like they don't care. Just stop, you know, please stop you. You know, yeah. they didn't necessarily even wake up and choose violence, you know, in the morning, <laughs> like we do every day, Phil, but, um, one of the one of the things that I saw back in my day, and I laugh because I'm thinking of like this, you know, IP whack-a-mole, you know, hey, you know, my my domain got spammed and hit by a blacklist. Now I'm just going to spin up a new domain. You know, all is good to go. Like, can we optimize using different sending domains for different types of messages? Like, are we, if we have the ability kind of behind the scenes to have different subdomains and stuff like that for for different types of messages, like... Are we going to be able to use this as an effective strategy moving forward? Yeah, definitely. Uh, if if you're sending all of your marketing and sales emails from the same domain, I would say stop doing this right now. Chat with your IT team about spitting up subdomains so you can mitigate the risk out of those. If you're the marketer and you have like good engagement on your emails, but your sales team doing cold outreach is the one blowing up that complaint rate, separate mitigate that risk so that like if one of them goes over the 0.3% consistently google's going to block or like send that subdomain to spam and it won't affect your marketing ones so different use cases call for different subdomains uh, a lot of companies employ this already actually we talked about uh, in detail with uh, Kate from Mailgun in episode 83 about this Google has said that they see subdomains as their own separate reputational entity, separate than your root domain. So transactional emails, sales emails for outreach, like your internal emails going out from internal employees externally and stuff, marketing, newsletter, onboarding product, like there is no like limit to the number of subdomains that you can set up. So if you see a use case for having multiple different ones on there um do it uh, i i think it's a it's a fair strategy and it's as well as you do it mindfully like you want to set this up and like warm it up properly as you're kind of like introducing it because you can't use this as the whack-a-mole strategy like if mm -hmm. if you get hit with these new guidelines in february and you're like ah whatever like i'll just create a new subdomain and let's start using that one bad news bro like that new subdomain isn't warmed up and it doesn't have a mm -hmm. good reputation it's, it's gonna land you in the same spot as the last one especially if you don't change any of your current practices so yeah something to think about right now if you're using the one domain for all of your email sending traffic so kind of just wrapping up here like how will these new guidelines affect our current email marketing strategies and campaigns like what do you see happening um and what adjustments do you think we should make in our marketing approach to really align with these updated guidelines yeah i think the the first question that i would ask um the marketing team the sales team folks that are requesting these campaigns if you're sitting in marketing ops or in the email marketing team like just just think twice about your existing automation emails the 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 requests for upcoming ball campaigns that you're getting like do you need to send this is is it going to be valuable to everyone how confident are you that there's not 3 or 4 or 5 people that are potentially going to think this is spam to them because they didn't ask for that content like i think that you need to be way more mindful about asking yourself that question um, this is a bit more gray hat, but there's tools out there like Zero Bounds that allow you to highlight potential users on your mailing lists that are frequent spam reporters, where you can just like remove those trigger happy folks that are generally uh, bitter with like uh, reports in, in their inbox. But like from a perspective of like maybe you don't work on the content team and stuff, but you're on ops and you have a chance to like give that feedback to other folks in your company. Like one thing that I would think about is making sure that your lead magnet or the carrot, like whatever it is that you're offering in exchange for a subscription on, on your website, make sure that that's connected to the email content you send after and that you're not blasting people with like promo and sales after a couple of emails. Like this is like marketing 101, but you know, offering a free template and then the next email is like, yeah, buy my shit. Like that, the stuff has never <laughs> worked, but it's going to penalize you even further going forward because those folks might mark you as spam. Um, 
remind people why they're getting this email in the first place. Uh, I I started doing this at a lot of companies, um, and especially when like you know sometimes it's easy for folks to forget or like wonder how the heck they got this email. Like, put a disclaimer at the top of the email. You're getting this email because you signed up to download our corporate report, our white paper, whatever, on November nineteenth, twenty twenty three. And like that, at least, you know, not everyone's going to read that, but like if someone sees that, like, oh shit, yeah, yeah, the, I won't mark this as spam. I'll, I'll unsubscribe instead. So yeah. like that's super easy for you to do with like dynamic fields if you know where people are coming from there. But yeah, the last one I'll hit you with, JT, is to just set expectations before sign up, like on your sign up page for your newsletter or before people are signing up for the product and they hit that like opt in checkbox. Like how many emails are they expected to get? Like what's going to be the frequency for it? What's the expected content? If you go on humansofmartech.com and you sign up for our newsletter, we let you know that we'll send you the top takeaways from every weekly episode. The email goes out on Tuesday mornings and that's it. We don't use our email for any other purposes. You're not going to get an upsell email for us. You're not going to get an email on Friday. Like it's a weekly email. You know what you're going to get and we're setting that expectation up front. So yeah, lots of big changes coming for folks. I hope people got some value out of uh, the take here. Uh, any any last thoughts you want to share with folks, GT? Well, I think we're gonna have to hit that uh, our own email newsletter list pretty hard until Jan until February. So if you're on our list, we're just gonna have to spam you as much as we can until those. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I think the big takeaway here, and I think this is something like a, a a theme that could run through all of our episodes, is like the authentic human connections that you make. Like <clears throat> this is what marketing is all about at the end of the day, and I believe that with things like the rise of AI and generative content through AI, like the idea of making human connections and being authentic and genuine in your interactions with people, we have so many data signals out there from SEO to emails we've just gone through. I think that the marketers who are going to succeed in the next decade are going to be those who can pierce through the amount of you know crap out there. And to be able to make a genuine connection, like if I sign up for your newsletter, like I'm so deliberate in who I sign up for now, like uh, Juan Mendoza, like I signed up for his newsletter and I just read his this week and I was like, it was such a good newsletter that came out on like, did HubSpot buy a, um, a, lemon. a lemon in Clearbit. And I was like, <laughs> this is like, I read this on a Sunday morning on my phone and I really enjoyed that, right? Uh, but there's about 50 others that I didn't enjoy. No offense to Tough Mudder, but I didn't look at your email because you send me <laughs> so many of them and I am so out of shape that it just make me feel bad about it. So I, anyways, long story short, I think having white hat uh, marketing is going to be always going to be the true north. Although I understand and respect that not everybody works in a company or in a situation. So I think following our best practices and cleaning up, advocating for this internally, like this is a big deal. You could see your business really go through some tough times if you're not following these these policies. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, good stuff. This was uh, hopefully valuable for, for folks. Uh, hopefully next time you see an email deliverability expert post about it on LinkedIn and they're saying like new guidelines for bulk senders, you'll know like you heard it here first that this is not just for bulk senders and a lot of people are in for a world of pain if they don't take this seriously as soon as possible. We'll catch you guys very soon. Thanks for listening. <laughs>